spirit in his life. I thank you, Lord God, for each and every person present. I pray that you will open up the eyes of our understanding, that we will understand your word in ways we haven't heard before. We give you praise, glory, and honor for it in Jesus' name. Now, this ain't for everybody. You know, a lot of people, not y'all, but you know, I'm a prison evangelist, but I also pastor a church uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, me, my wife, and my son. And, uh, you know, we're, you know we're, we're, we're busy just like everybody. You know, just as, uh, 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 you know, the world is really not our enemy. Yeah, that's our mission field. And so we're busy, you understand, about the work of God, amen. So, and I found, um, you know, that it's, it's actually three types of people come to church. You know, Jesus said, well, it's two, three really. Not in my service, but in most people's services. <laughs> uh, I'm in the word. Uh, uh, I'm in the word. You remember Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep, right? right? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. That, that wasn't no mistranslation. So in the body of Christ, you have sheep and you have lambs. You know what I'm talking about? Sheep are those that hear the voice of God. I tell a lot of guys in the joint, you know what I'm saying? Just because you heard the voice of God don't mean you're a prophet. If you heard the voice of God, you're a sheep. Amen. I mean, I know that it'll work on somebody, but you know, uh, so... The Bible says, sheep hear my voice. All right, and then you have lambs. Lambs are new, new, new you know, baby Christians. You know, I tell guys, even though they've been in the joint uh, 20 years, 30 years, studying the word of God, studying the word of God. I don't consider them a, a solid, uh, a mature Christian till they've been outside at least five years. That's for everybody. Because in five years, you're going to go through something. Let me say it again. Five years, you're going to go through something. I didn't say you're going to camp out. You know, some folk been saved 30 years, still camping out. You know what I'm talking about? No, we're going to go through something. And if you still love Jesus and on fire for God after five years, then I consider you a mature Christian. So, there's, <laughs> so you have sheep come to church and you have lambs. Amen. You have devils. You know, you know, the Bible said when the word is sown, Satan comes immediately. He don't wait till you leave church. But now, like I said, I've been all over, all over everywhere preaching the gospel. In prison, over 575 prisons. Devils don't come to my service. Wait a minute. I got to check, make sure didn't one sneak in. But... <laughs> You know, y'all safe. Y'all see what I'm talking about. But <laughs> so those are three types of people. So I'm ministering. I don't know where you at in your faith. You know, some Christians, this is a little, little hard here, but, you know, some Christians are selfish. I mean, I'm talking about the word. You know what I mean? Because they, you know, not y'all, but a lot of, I've been places where, you know, they hear the word of God and say, man, I need that. I mean, you know, I, I didn't want to come to hear that. Not y'all, I'm just saying. So they ain't thinking about somebody else might have needed to hear that. Did somebody drop the coffee back there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> brother back there. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what... <laughs> So, but I believe this is for you, amen. But, but, uh, 
you know, we get the word all the time, amen. And I'm in the word, amen. So I'm coming to give you some comfort. That's what I'm here today is to comfort you. You know what I mean? I don't know, know your circumstances, but I know when God usually tell me that. There's people, y'all stand in the church, uh, y'all stand the hallelujah, hallelujah, all that, and really going through stuff. You know what I mean? And they need some comfort. So that's what I want to do today. Uh, if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I really love being in the Word Church because you can read more than one verse. <laughs> in the Word Church, someplace you go and you head for the second scripture, they're looking at you crazy, but everybody's straight here. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 3. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us. Now, okay, I'm reading out the MEV version. Yo, yo, y'all right? Maybe I better go to another one. MEV, all right? Okay. Uh, okay. Who comforts us in all of our tribulation. Yeah, comforts us in all our tribulation. Now, the word tribulation, the Greek word, I can't pronounce. <laughs> but I can read a Strong's Concordance. And so that word tribulation means temptation, test, and trials. And so every time I see that word in scripture, I read it out of the Greek. And so it says, the Father, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our temptation, tests, and trials. I like that. Now, I learned a lot from God's word by observing what it does not say. Which a lot of people say. They, a lot of folk read this verse like, the God of all comfort who brings the temptation, tests, and trials to try us or to teach us. But now it says right here, he comforts us in all of our temptation, tests, and trials. Don't get nervous, I'm preaching real good. I got faith, but trials still come. Temptations come. Amen. Now, I got to, you know, there's different levels of temptation. You know, when you first get born again, you're dealing with low-level devils. Amen. When you grow a lot of it, you're dealing with some other kind of devils. I don't get tempted much, but I run a re-entry program uh, in Indianapolis. I can house 50 men, ex-convicts. They come to us straight out of penitentiary. And sometimes I'm tempted when they tell me they ain't going to leave. Don't get nervous because I'm preaching very good. You know what I'm talking about. You know what you mean? Well, you know, they, they might have a dirty drop. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, or, they don't, or there's a rule they don't like. You know what I'm talking about? And then, you know, they give up a little lip. Amen. And so, you know, I'm tempted. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, <laughs> I'm a Christian, which I tell them all the time. You know what I'm talking about? And I have men that runs my facility, which I call resident directors. They live there and they run it. And all them are ex-convicts. You know, some of them, I know, I got one, you understand, and he says that, and I, you know, I know his background, he said if he hadn't went to prison, he would have been the most prolific murderer in the country. He liked to kill folk. Little guy. 
and, uh, went, and, and when he went to prison, y'all tell him something about, he picked up three murder cases in prison. Killed three people in prison. And uh, yeah, and they could, uh, and uh, they, uh, this, this ain't too hard for you, is it? Okay, and, 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 and. Now, back in my day when I went, you know what I mean, if you kill somebody, you just, you just go through the hole for six months. And so it was a whole lot of people getting killed. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so they passed a law that when you kill somebody now, they take you out and, and, and charge you with that murder case and give you time. So he killed three guys, uh, one at a, not, not all the same time, you know, over the years. And uh, they, could only, they, they could only convict him of two. And so you understand, then, uh, 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 after, <laughs> so his out date, I mean, the day you get out of prison, was 2070. We ain't got there yet. <laughs> but, but that was his, I'm talking about comfort, that was his out date. And now, he said he knew me back in the day before I got born again. He said he lived behind me. So he heard a little, heard a little, heard a little stuff. And, uh, and he heard, and, and I was in, his, in the, I, I preached in that prison, which is a maximum security prison, uh, Supermax, y'all tell me what I'm talking about. And uh, I preached there every month. And, I, and I, well, I've been going there now for like 20 years, but he heard that I had got saved. And that's the only thing to put God on his mind. He didn't believe in no God, none of that kind of stuff. He was, you know, he, he liked killing folks. And gambling and everything else in prison. You got, you know, you got 2070. You ain't gonna never get out. What they gonna do to me? You, you understand what I'm talking about? So <laughs> that's the mentality that he had. And so on his last, uh, uh, while he's in there, they sentenced him to 18 years in the hole. Yeah, we call that the special housing unit or the shoe, special housing unit. That's where they lock you up 24 hours a day. If you're nice, they'll let you, you have to work your way out for an hour a day. Uh, you understand? And, and, and that's where they keep you. And they locked him up in there. They sentenced him to, 20, to 18 years in the hole. And he said, after, after he got in there, he, got, he said, uh, now he, he got to thinking, you know, heard about God through my testimony or whatever. He got to thinking. He said, now, I know I ain't going to never get out. So he said he ain't never prayed to God, didn't even believe in that. <clears throat> but he said he got to looking over his life and he hated himself. He hated what crime and that lifestyle had caused him to be. And he said he knew he was going to die in prison, but he wanted to like himself. So he said he decided to pray to this God he didn't know nothing about. And ask this God to change him. Not get him out of prison because he ain't getting out. That's his thought, you know what I mean. But to change him. And he prayed. Jesus Christ came into his heart. Uh, you understand? He said he thought he was on the floor for a few, for a few, few hours. When he got up, you understand? He was wringing wet like he had been in the shower. And Jesus met him in that hole. And then he said... And then he said, uh, after that, now he, all, over the years, he had exhausted all of the legal re revenue. Getting out. Ain't no way he's going to get out. He'd been, he had been locked up then 
30 straight years. Wasn't no way out. And he gave his life to Christ. And a year later, they let him out and he started coming to my services there at Wabash. Begin to grow in the word of God. And then he got his first miracle. The courts called him back to court and told him they made a mistake. And knocked 57 years off his time. And then he said he really got nervous because now he's getting ready to get out. He's been locked up 30 years. Don't know nobody. Where am I going to go? Heard about the Jesus house. I told him, y'all saying, when you get out, I got a place for you. He wound up serving another eight years. He did 38 straight years. And then they paroled him to the Jesus house. Well, he's been there five years now. Got him a brand new car. I said brand new car. He's supervised on his job, been on his job for four years, super, supervised on his job. He's an approved state volunteer and goes inside prison with me, not only in Indiana, but all over the country. And he's on fire for Jesus. <laughs> so it don't make no difference who you are or where you've been. God is the God of all comfort. <laughs> now, the temptation test of trial, you know, okay, yeah, well, I, I keep forgetting that I ain't in prison. You know, because in prison, you know what I'm saying, like, when they clap, like, I got to tell them, hold it, hold it, y'all taking my time. Because <laughs> you only got about an hour, you know what I'm saying, but, you know, I forgot I ain't in prison right now, okay. <laughs> But now, God don't send temptation, test, and trial. Now, some folks say, and I've heard people say, and uh, uh, well, then, if God don't do all that, you know, because people don't get nervous now. Folks say, no, this, is, this is, you know, it's a little tricky here. Folks say, God got your life already planned out. Don't get nervous, God, I'm preaching real good. Now, that sounds good if you ain't did nothing. You know, maybe went, maybe went to the bingo. You understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, a little something like that. You understand what I'm saying? But what about the guy that run around killing folk? You mean God planned that? God don't do that. We have choices. Based on the word of God, the Bible said daily deny yourself. That's something I got. What if I don't deny myself today? Well, you're on your own. I mean, y'all, I mean, you know, it, it ha we, this has happened to you, everybody. You know, we get up in the morning, y'all say we know we're supposed to pray, we know we're supposed to read the word, y'all say I'm talking about, we're busy, so we get up in the morning, we don't read, we don't pray, we're ripping and running all during the day, and then halfway during the day, you say, man, why is everything going wrong? Then you say, wait a minute, I didn't pray. And you know, you pray, you know what I'm saying, and then your day kind of mellows off? Well, all that other time, you was on your own. <laughs> You didn't, you didn't give him your day. You didn't allow him to come in. You know, God's a gentleman. He ain't going to force his way into our life. 
But now the Bible gives us a clear, you know, people say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Simple. Simple. There are none. Uh-oh, let me say it again. Romans says there is none righteous, no, not one. There's not a good person nowhere on the planet. <laughs> it take a little while for that to sink in. Let me say it again. Why do bad things happen to good people? There is no good people. Well, y'all nervous in here. Okay. Well, I might as well give you a little elementary principle. There's an elementary principle, and that is that everybody was born a sinner. So if you was born a sinner, you was born no good. <laughs> because what do sinners do? Sin. Right. They can't help themselves. Now I tell folk all the time, guys, all the time, you been, not y'all, but you being a sinner is not your fault. Because you didn't ask to be born. Anybody here asked to be born? You know, hollered out, I want to be born. No, you didn't ask to be born. You just looked up and you was here. <laughs> so it ain't your fault that you're a sinner. It's your fault that you remain a sinner once you find out how not to be one. Now it's your fault. So ain't no good people because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that's why things happen. Now, it don't happen because they're bad, this, that, and other. You know, there's a verse of scripture in Matthews, chapter 7, and it talks, and I know, I know see, y'all were people, so I can just preach, preach out of my heart, see. That's why I didn't go and buy no Bible, because I knew y'all knew it. <laughs> <laughs> But Matthew chapter 7 talks about, now y'all know the story. One man built his house on sand. Another man built his house on the rock. We know the sand is the world and all that. And we know the rock is Christ. But did you notice that the same wind, the same storm, the same rain hit both houses? That's called life. I said that's called life. It don't make no difference if you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost fire, baptized, fire, Jesus' name, everybody's name. Don't make no never speaking in tongues and operating all nine of the gifts. Don't make no never mind. <laughs> I said, don't make no never mind. You're going to get some rain on your house. You're going to get some wind on your house. And you're going to get some storm hitting your house. So same thing that happened to sinners happened to Christians. Sinners lose their job, Christians lose their job. People in the world, family members go home, go home somewhere. <laughs> I ain't going to be up here on the poor bed lying. You know, I don't know where everybody going. We don't know where they're going. We don't know where they're going unless we know they're born again. How do we know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's why boys hard. I don't preach funerals. <laughs> don't get nervous now. You understand what I'm saying? You know, I believe in delegation. Amen. 
<laughs> you know, so I got people, you know, on my ministry, that's their job. They, you know, I mean, it, don't get nervous. It ain't in the Bible. It ain't in the Bible. I mean, that's taught in Bible school. You know, I'm talking about all the functions of a pastor and everything, but it ain't in the Bible. There's no scripture in there where God says ministers marry people. There's not a verse in there where God says minister bury folk. I tell folk, if I told them what Jesus told them, they'll pick up some rocks and hit me. No, they'll use, they'll use a nine now. Y'all know what a nine is, right? Okay. <laughs> Remember that? Because Jesus said, come follow me. And they said, no, I got to go and bury my dead. He said, no, let the dead bury the dead. Now, if we as ministers say that today to somebody, man, they're going to sue us. <laughs> but I'm going to get you buried. Don't, don't, you know, I'm going to get you buried. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to get you married. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just not going to do it. No, I ain't going to be up in lying. <laughs> we know Joe went to a nice place. You know what I'm saying? And Joe's been killing folk. He died cussing God out. Now, I have did funerals. I do funerals from time to time. I just say, praise the Lord, he's gone where he's gone. <laughs> oh, that's what, I'm serious. I'm talking about people that ain't born again. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, he's, gone, he, wherever he, he's gone where he's gone. That's, I mean, that's my message, you know. I said, but everybody is going to have an appointment with this pine box. Where are you going? That's my funeral message. So I don't get invited to too many of them. Y'all see what I'm talking about? With, that, that, that's fine with me. <laughs> but no, the thing about it, you know, now, now, now we all faithful. That's what we need faith for. What I need faith for if I'm not going to be going through anything. Don't get nervous, come preaching. Well, I need to be kept confessing the word and standing on the word of God if everything just gonna come to me and I ain't gonna never have no opposition. It validates, it is invalidates the word of God. God said, but thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph when we're all doing good. Is that what it said? No, it didn't say that. <laughs> No, he said he calls us to triumph. What he always calls us to triumph, right? When we're doing, when we're going through stuff, we always win. I said we always win. But things gonna come. But now it's the, the, the comfort comes. Now God comforts us so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we receive. But now we got to know where the comfort comes from. And we know the comfort comes from the, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's right. And I found the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Something, I mean, the Holy Spirit be on, on you, and you don't even know he's there yes. until you start going through something. Yes. And then you're going through something, and you're wondering, why come I don't feel bad? You know, why come I can't cry like that? <laughs> you know, what, what's, I mean, you, you, I mean, you, feel, you feel guilty. Yeah, I mean, don't get, you know, my mother went home to be with the Lord in 1998. Uh -huh. 
Uh, they they diagnosed her with lung cancer, and she wasn't saved. She, she, you know, she had started going to church because I was going to church. And they diagnosed, diagnosed her with lung cancer, and so, you know, she was dying. And I went out to the hospital and uh, told her, I said, Mama, I'm believing God for you to be healed. But I want to make sure you go to heaven. So I want you to pray with me. She said, you know, now before I got saved, you know, my name changed. You know, Paul was Saul. All right, well, everybody called me. No, nobody never called me William. That was too polite. So it was Billy. All right. So she said, uh, Billy, you know, I go to church. I said, yes, Mama, I understand that. But I want to make sure you go to heaven. Will you pray with me? She said, yes. So I grabbed my mother by the hand and led her to the Lord. When I left the hospital, I know that was the first time me and my mother ever touched. First time that me and my mother ever touched. And so several months later, I was scheduled to come down here, preach in some prisons. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm all set. And uh, they said she had uh, 24 hours to live. So I said, I ain't going nowhere. Now I know my spiritual rights, especially back then, boy. I had, you know, I had a saw uh, 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 Smith Wigglesworth. I'm boy. If he can raise from the dead, I can. God ain't no respect to person. So I went to pray, Lord, I ain't going nowhere until you raise my mama. I ain't going nowhere until my mother get healed. I'm not going. I ain't going nowhere. And man, I'm I'm praying. Good hour or so, and I got quiet because I was tired. <laughs> I know y'all. I know y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all go. Y'all go four hours. You know what I'm but 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 I got tired. <laughs> I got tired, and, and and then I heard the Lord say, "You're selfish." I said, yeah, I'm selfish. That's my mama. Now we'll forget it. And he said, but she's ready to go. I knew the voice of God. So I said, okay. So I got on the, got on the plane. Uh, well, I drove down, I think, because my wife was with me, so we had to drive. She ain't flying. So, so it was early in our ministry. She don't drive, don't even go long trips now, but, you know, we came down. And I think I was down here maybe about a day or two, and my mother went home to be with the Lord. I didn't feel nothing. I'm saying to myself, what's wrong with me? Am I that cold? You know, back in the day, you know, us gangsters, man, you know, we fell in love with Iceberg Slim. Some, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all still talking about, you know. And so we had to look in the mirror, make sure we look like, you know, we'll kill everybody. You, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying? You, you want to develop a cold heart, you know what I mean? I'm saying, man, I'm, been, I'm saved. Filled with the Holy Ghost, I just, I can't, I can't feel like I should be feeling. I, 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 you know, I can't ball, and, you know, I mean, what's wrong with me? And, uh, I mean, I just couldn't, I couldn't, you know, hardly cry. And uh, then I got home, and then my family told me how she went. Now, I got, I'm uh, the oldest of nine brothers and sisters. Two brothers and uh, seven sisters. Well, I had seven sisters. Two of them in heaven. Amen. Amen. Three of them in heaven. And uh, we always fought. 
I know y'all know nothing about that. I'm talking before I got born again. Mama's house was where we met to fight. <laughs> Every weekend, we go, we go to Mama's house, everybody high, gambling, all that kind of stuff, and we're going to hit somebody in the mouth. <laughs> now, if ain't nobody else there, we're going to hit one of them cousins in the mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it was always like that. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, my, they told me, they said, told me they up in there, Oregon, mama sedated, you know what I'm saying, they up in Oregon, and mama came out of it and said, you know, y'all always, oh, why don't y'all stop all that Oregon and everything, I'm ready to go. And they said, they went down to the chapel and prayed, came back up and, and, and told mama, y'all stand, you know, and they said, my mother raised her hand like that and left here. She was ready to go. I was up there in the funeral, funeral during, the, during the funeral, and, 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 and I couldn't cry. Why was that? I was being comforted by the Holy Spirit, and the comfort that I was having, it comforted everybody else. The crew I came with, man, all of them would have lost it in the funeral home. You know about people getting killed in the funeral home. I mean, man. You know, them folk was crazy, brothers and sisters. I wasn't. I was saved. <laughs> so God comforts us so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we have been comforted with. But you got, if you don't realize that God is, if you don't know who your enemy is, then you don't receive the comfort. You know, First Peter tells us, be sober. When I'm in the joint, I'm talking about don't drink no wine, nothing, but it ain't talking about that type of sober. Be vigilant for your adversary walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I said, well, he can't devour everybody because if he could, he wouldn't have to see. Some folk, he just leaves alone. I'm one of them. I say, man, I know he's in the world. He'll hit me long distance, but I don't have to deal with them low-level devils. But it said, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Well, how can I resist him? And I've been taught that God put the temptation test and trials on me. If I've been taught or believed that God put the temptation test and trials on me, trying to teach me something, how am I, how can I resist that when I'm asking God, Lord, what is it that you're trying to teach me? I had to deal with that all the time going inside prisons. You know what I'm saying? I had to let them know, man, God ain't never put nobody in prison. No, wait a minute. James said, this is the Bible, this is the Bible. James said, let no man say when he's tempted to do evil. Well, everybody in prison was tempted to do evil. They wasn't nice all their life and then woke up one morning and said, you know what, I'm going to stick up somebody today. <laughs> no, you're tempted to do that. And that temptation don't come from God, it comes from the devil. And Satan, I tell them all the time, Satan will tempt you to do it, you know, and then why, then, then, he will call them, you know, you're getting ready to stick up, stick up, don't get, don't get nervous, I'm stuck up, folks. I ain't going to tell you how, because I don't want you to duplicate. 
I mean, there's a way to stick up. I mean, I'm talking to the church, so I know y'all ain't going to do it, but there's a way. You don't go in there and say, stick them up. That's on TV. If somebody tell me they're doing that, I know they ain't no stick-up man. Because why you got the hands up, police going to come around the corner, see the hands up, and you go in the penitentiary. So we, no, I ain't how you do it. When you go on the stick-up, say, get on the floor. Yeah, get on, that's how you do it. Get on the floor. Don't move nothing, don't move nothing. That's how you stick up. But let me help you out. Don't try that now because they got video cameras. <laughs> that was safe back then. They ain't safe now. Amen. But, but the same devil that tempted that guy to go in there tells the police, turn the corner right here. And then you wind up in prison. And when they wind up in prison, some well-meaning Christian tells him, God did that. He had a plan for your life. And he knew the only way he could do it was put you in prison. I've heard guys say, man, I'm glad God put me in prison. Because if he had not been dead, I said, well, he ain't did you no favor. <laughs> you know, they understand that. Because I said, I said, out there on the street, out there on the street, you had running room. You ain't got no running room in here round around that bunk. <laughs> you can die quicker in prison than you can on the street. You know, you can run out here, right? You can, right? You can run, get your, your weapon out of your trunk. How I many know what I'm talking about? You can't do nothing but run around around that bunk in, in, in San Francisco. When the officers see stuff, they run. Okay, man, let me help you out. Officers are trained not to stop a fight. They are. They don't stop no fight. Their job is, the officer's job is to keep you in prison as long as society tells you to be there. And how you do your time is none of my business. My business is to keep you here. So now when a fight comes, the officer is, is told, Leave it alone. When it's over, take the one that's dying to the hospital. Take the one that's exhausted to the hole. <laughs> well, I mean, that's real, that's real talk. Somebody needs to tell people the truth. That's the real talk. You know, I tell, just... I tell young folk the truth, and that, that'll stop them from going. They feel like well, they can get in there, and the officer goes, no, you ain't got no help. <laughs> you ain't got no help. I'm talking about comfort. I was ministering in a, in a youth facility years ago, youth facility, and uh, all the time I'm preaching, talking to these young kids, kind of feel poor. Here's a guy back in the back. He run his mouth just as much as I'm running my ass. Now, I don't want to start no trouble. You understand what I'm talking about. He ain't paying attention. So I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how can I reach him? I said, uh, uh, hey, man. Yeah. Uh, you ready to do life? No. Get no life. He just had his man. Well, he said, I, I can go on, get me some money. 
bury the money or, you know, whatever, go prison, do two or three years, come out, I still got the money. I said, okay. I said, now this, this you know, I know y'all can handle this. I said, now, and this is what happened to a lot of gangbangers. I got a bunch of them in my ministry saved. I said, well, now, when you get there, you ain't got no weapon. And you're going to run into real gangsters. I said, now, a real gangster, prison full of them, is a guy that got two life sentences. He been lifting weights for 20 years. His arms are that big. And he loves young boys. I told you, y'all can handle this. And I told him, I said, now, I know you're tough. Ain't nobody going to do nothing to you. I said, but now, once you kill him, you know, protecting yourself, they're going to take you out and give you life for killing him. Are you ready to do life? I hear nothing else from him. The rest of the service. <laughs> because that's prison. And they don't think that. They don't know that. I see them all the time. I see them, you know, in my town, they didn't kill people, you know, the pictures on the news, you understand? They got the handcuffs, you know, it's still gorilla. Then I, you know, then I go inside prison, here they are, crying. It's too late. You was a gangster out there. Ain't no weapons in here. You can't even get a knife in prison if you don't know nobody. No, you don't know. I mean, if you don't know an inmate that's going to sell you a knife, you know, a homemade, homemade knife. So what you going to do? You can't box. Don't get nervous. Come you know, people out here, I know, I know people on Facebook watch me. I know already know that I'm talking to somebody now. Y'all tell them I'm talking about. They don't box now. They shoot. Pow. Back in my day, you, you know, you box. They shoot now. Ah, you know, then they get the penitentiary. What you going to do now? You can't fight. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fight. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you out. I'm, 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 you know, just like, you know, if you watch the news, you know what's happening in Mississippi. Prison in Mississippi, Parchment, is on lockdown. Well, I knew, and so far, I think in a month, uh, nine people been killed, all gang-related. Now, I knew that was coming because Parchman, they had one largest prison in the United States, something like 6,000, and they got about like 32 units. Death Row's on 32. I go there. And they got a unit 20, 29. That's where they put all the gangsters in there. Crips, blood. Neighborhood association, all in the same unit. I'm serious. So, so we asked them. We asked them. We asked them why y'all do this. Don't you know they're gonna be in there fighting? Yeah, yeah, they're gonna fight. But it said it stops recruiting. So that's what's happening now. It it is spilled over. You know what I'm talking about? Now, they've been killing, but now it hit the news. You know what I'm talking about? That's a terrible way to live. But now, you cannot comfort them folk if you haven't been comforted 
by God in those situations so you can share that with them and they can hear more than just religion. Amen. You know, uh, 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 the Lord spoke this to me years ago. He said a lot of reasons why a lot of folks don't get saved is because they don't know what it means. So I tried it out. I was in a prison in Texas just and had 500 men. 500, I know it 500. I had favor in this prison just and the warden would meet me out front Amen. when I came Amen. and have his loot. And they would escort me and a couple of guys into the prison. This is in Texas. Now, I'll never forget, you understand, they, they had a cage out there, and they let all, let the men, there were 500 men in that cage, and then they locked me in the cage with them. <laughs> now, you're going to have a revolution <laughs> or a revival. The officer stood outside. He didn't, they didn't go in the cage. Now, we had a revival, but I asked, I said, how many of y'all out there know what it means to be saved? Well, you go to church. You read your Bible. You don't do nothing wrong. I said, okay, now, all of that is what saved people do. But that ain't what saved me. Well, you stop smoking. You get baptized in Jesus' name. Or you get baptized in the name of the Son of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to leave nobody out. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> no. I said, <clears throat> the Lord gave me that illustration. I said, okay, here's what it means to be saved. You're in a boat, the boat capsized. You're in the lake, you're in water. You can't, you, you're treading water. You can't make it to the shore. You don't see nobody nowhere. You're struggling, you're struggling. You're going down for the third time. Then all of a, all of a sudden, a hand comes down and snatch you out of that water. You just got what? So in order to be saved, as I tell them, it ain't about what you give up. Saved, you got to be saved from something. What am I saved from? Going to hell. <laughs> That's what salvation is. I ain't going to hell. All that other stuff come later on. That's how you live down here. That's how you have blessings and prosperity is having your mind renewed and learning what belongs to you. Amen. But you can't get none of that until you get saved first. And somebody said, well, man, what if it ain't no hell? What if it is? <laughs> I, tell them, just think, I tell them, just think about it. If it ain't nothing... Well, you're dying, ain't nothing. But what if it is something? And you can avoid it by one little prayer. So I see thousands come to the Lord every, every year. And I'm not speaking evangelistically. Because you make it simple. You don't say, I'm talking about, I didn't tell you you got to give up that and you got to give up that. That comes later on. You got to catch the fish first. Can't clean the fish and then catch it. <laughs> Boy. So, I'm closing. This is my first one. I usually have three. 
And so, you know, God don't do all these things that people say he does. See, if, we, if God did all them things, then 1 Peter 5, I couldn't do. Resist him steadfast in the faith. How can I resist the devil when I believe God is doing this to me? Because he's trying to teach me something, you know what I'm saying, or show me, you know, uh, uh, well, then I'm not resisting. I am accepting this. That's what led me to write my book, one of them, God's Not In Control. I mean, there's some folk, when I wrote that book, man, and got, wanted to give some uh, a Christian, they looked at the couple, oh, no, no, like God was going to strike them dead because the title is God is Not In Control. Uh oh, I know. Wait a minute. I might say this, too, also. God is not getting ready to destroy America. If God was going to destroy nations because of what they're doing, there should be no Islamic country on the planet. Because they are anti-Christ. There should be no communist country on the planet because no communists believe in God. I know that because I was one. What you mean? Yeah, I was a Black Panther. This is Black History Month. See, you can mention stuff like that in Black History. <laughs> you can mention that. <laughs> we got a license for February. Amen. <laughs> and as a Black Panther, we believed in socialism and communism, and, and our Bible was a little red book by Chairman Mao. No communists believe in God, no God. No black panther believed in no God. And if God was going to be wiping out countries because of what, you know, how they do, those countries should not exist. So let you know, God ain't controlling the world, because if he was, it wouldn't be all this stuff. So somebody else controlling it. And that's the devil. 1 John 5, 1 John 5 says the whole world lies under the control of the wicked one or the devil. Right. Hebrews 2 and 14, it says Jesus <clears throat> uh, 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 defeated, uh, the de defeated him who had the power of death. Now Satan still has the power of death. So good news going to preach very good. He don't have the power of death over believers. You know why? Because you got eternal life. You didn't already died to sins. And you was born again. That's a real birth. And you was born not as a sinner. You was born as a saint. That can sin. But chooses not to. I say, man, you're not a sinner. Saved by grace, you're saved. And can sin, but you don't. Amen. Nobody in here does. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, God gave this planet to man. God don't live down here. I know somebody, somebody on the door. We don't want nobody to run out. Let me say it again. God don't live down here. 
I'll say it over here then. <laughs> God don't live down here. God has a place where he lives. Okay, where was God when he said, let there be? Now, he had to be someplace. There wasn't no universe. There wasn't no solar system. There wasn't no planets. There wasn't no stars. There was no moon. There was no nothing when God said, let there be. So God was living somewhere before the universe came into an existence. God don't live up there in the sky. He has a place where he lives at, which is called heaven, which is another world, another planet. Uh-oh. And he created this one for you. He made everything down here good. He's boy, this all oh, that's good. Now let me put man in there and run it. Genesis 1:26 gave man dominion, complete power and authority over everything that moves on the planet. Everything. And then the devil tricked that man. Wasn't the woman's fault. When God told Adam not to eat of that tree, woman wasn't even created. I mean, Adam didn't even know there was going to be a woman. You know, that's where she got her name from. I mean, she uh, put Adam to sleep. He woke up, and here was this woman. He said, wow, man, woman. That's where it comes from, wild man, woman. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, that'll hit you about 3 o'clock in the morning, but praise the Lord. <laughs> but then, you know, so he's the one that told the woman, told the woman, and then Satan played uh, on her. Is that right? But he didn't play on Adam. Adam was so in love with the woman that he seen her smoking crack and he smoked crack with her. <laughs> and then gonna blame the woman for the crack. <laughs> you know that ain't right. <laughs> that ain't right. <laughs> That's what happened. That's what happened. So Adam tricked man out of the planet and he became the God of this world. That's why Jesus had to come back. He had to get, and that's why Jesus had to become a man. I preached a sermon uh, to guys in prison they want to know. Well, why, come you, why, why was he a baby? Have you ever seen a full, a full grown baby? I, well, let, 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 me, let me help y'all. <laughs> you can't be a human if you ain't been born from a woman. No, you can, I, yeah, you can be a test tube, but you still got to go in a woman. If you did not have a mother, you are an alien. All humans were born. All humans. 
So in order for Jesus to be a human, he had to be born. Amen. And, and, and all of us came out as babies. Jesus had to be born as a baby. That's how he became man. Man lost it, as Romans. Man had to get it back. God gave it to man. God ain't no Indian giver. So he gave it to man. He couldn't come down here as God and take it back. Man had to get it back, and it had to be a sinless man to get it back. That's why the blood of Jesus is so powerful, because it wasn't human blood. If it was human blood, he would have been just like you and I, born a sinner. That's the blood of God, if you will, that was in Jesus. How you know that? Because the blood, <clears throat> you can have a, uh, yeah, you, can, you can say, that ain't my baby. Okay, let's do a blood test. Yeah, a blood test. Now, you know, it's just sophisticated now, DNA. But the blood always comes from the daddy. And the, the body, the flesh comes from the mother. Are y'all still here in the house? Jesus' blood was divine. That's why it has power. It didn't come from no natural man. And he walked down here on this planet as a man, empowered by the Holy Ghost to show us how to do it. And then he left. <clears throat> I might hit you with this, and this is my second closing. And Jesus is not down here. Now, I already told you God ain't. Jesus ain't either. Jesus was on that cross. He said, it's finished. You know what that means? I ain't doing nothing else. <laughs> I mean, it's finished. I ain't doing nothing else. I'm through. And then he went and sat down. Amen. In heaven, on the right hand of God the Father. That's where Stephen saw him when he, when he looked up there and prayed. Jesus sitting in heaven. So Jesus ain't here. Don't get nervous, going to preach real good. And God ain't here, but his representative is here. And that representative is the comforter. And he is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son is. And there's more to him than tongues. He's, he's ever present, always there to bring you out of anything you're in. Whatever it is, he's there to bring you out of it. But he can't do it unless you ask him. He's a gentleman, perfect gentleman. That's why God said you can cuss God out and everybody, but you mess with the Holy Spirit, you're in trouble. No forgiveness. So God gave us that power. But the world don't know this, so we need, we need to explain, explain that to them. I was in a prison years ago, and that's how I got the revelation. I had a revelation after I got saved, even though I didn't know nothing. And everybody was telling me, man, well, God planned your life. I got to think, wait a minute, how could God plan my life? I didn't know him. Nobody in my family ever known him. And what about all these people I heard? I couldn't understand a loving God. It's going to allow me to hurt all these folk. 
Y'all tell them don't sacrifice their life. Well, what about the, what, the sacrifice of Jesus is enough. Don't need to sacrifice nobody else. So I couldn't justify it. Then I began to get into the word and seen it, saw it. And I was preaching in a prison, in the end of maximum security prison. I preached. Place was packed out. on a big stage. I preached. Y'all standing after I got through preaching. You know, I looked down. Here's a guy standing down there like that. So when you look at me like that in prison, I got to see what you're looking at me like that for. Might be an old enemy. They're going to try to get me before I get out the door. So I got to confront you face to face. So I went down there, praise the Lord, yeah. Yeah, I used to believe in all that. Said I went to church all the time, me and my family. He said my sister lived down the street from us. She went to church all the time. He said somebody went down there, raped, and killed my sister. And I went to church and asked the pastor, and the pastor said, well, God had a reason. And he said, I could not understand how loving God will allow, that's that other word, will allow that to happen, and all them folks doing the dirt down the street, and God ain't killed them. He said, that's why I'm here, because I found out who did it, and I took his life. Now, what you going to tell him? Well, I tell him, I said, well, I don't know why she's in heaven. Maybe when nobody wasn't praying or whatever. I said, but if, she, if she's in heaven and she's born again, I said, if she could come back, she wouldn't. I tell guys all the time, you can be the most handsome person in the world. But once they see Jesus, you through. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Once they see Jesus, boy, you can just forget about it. They ain't coming back. I, I just, so she rejoicing. But I was able to share with him, God didn't do that. And I was able to pray with him and lead him back to the Lord. That's what caused it. I was in a, I was in a, uh, a, 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 a jail. I used to go to jail. And this woman called me years ago. And uh, she said her, her, her uh, brother was in jail and he was suicidal. Don't get nervous now. Big white guy, just black history month. Uh, <laughs> that keeps slipping out. But anyway, and, and she said that, uh, that uh, he took his uh, truck, he was a truck driver, and uh, he found out, came home, found out his wife was cheating on him, wasn't saved. So he decided to kill her. So he took, he heard about her being in this bar, this tavern, and so he took his rig and ran it through the bar, ran it through the, tore the place down, hurt some people, but didn't get hurt. And now, you all saying he's depressed, trying to kill himself in jail. So I go down there and uh, call him out, you know what I'm He said, who are you? I said, I don't want to talk to no blah, 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 preacher. I said, well, your, your, your sister called me to come down here, okay. And, and, he, and he, we sitting there, and he went, and you could see the eyes of puff. And he went, he said, uh, why did God let me do that? Why did he say all the time I was driving that truck, I was praying, God, don't let me do it. Don't let me do it. Why did he let me do it? I said, because he couldn't stop you. He said, what? I hear you had your mind made up. God, they can't violate your mind. He can't violate your will. You had your mind made up. That's why you did it. God didn't let you. You did it. 
and explained that to him and led him to the Lord. Now, I say that because several years later, I mentioned him being a white guy. I'll let you know, you know, big guy, about 6'8". I'll let you know that because I go to a prison. In Miss, in Miss, I went to a prison in uh, Indiana State Prison where I served time at. And when you go through the chapel door, you know, usually I'm watching. You know, the Bible says watch and pray. <laughs> so I'm watching, you know. But man, before I could get in there, I stepped in the door. And before I get, some guy had me up like his hair, you know, like I'm saying, oh, my God. You know, if it's an enemy, he got me. Ain't nothing I can do. <laughs> I mean, ain't nothing I can do. I can't bite him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, the, man, the man got me, you know. <laughs> and he was going past the bubble and come to find out that was that guy. Now, he got time, but he was born again, serving God. Peace of God was in his heart and everything because somebody told him the truth. God didn't do it. The devil did. And so we have to resist the devil. When the temptation, test, and trial come, we have to resist him. I'm definitely close with this. This is my third, third, third. I'm all right. <laughs> you know, tongues were trying to come out there. I was trying to slow it up. I was just trying to slow it up. <laughs> I was trying to slow it up. Amen. Amen. But, but I'm... I'm going on three years cancer-free. Hey. Amen. <clears throat> and the only reason why I'm alive today is because I knew that going in. When the enemy attacked me with cancer of my throat, I knew what that was. He was trying to stop me. It ain't God. I didn't have one thought. What is God trying to teach me here? God wasn't trying to teach me nothing. The devil was trying to stop me. But I knew the word. The word said, by his stripes, I am healed. So it don't make no difference, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, a battle. That's what your faith is for. What do you think the shield of faith is for? It's supposed to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. That means he's going to be firing at you. And if your shield ain't up, you're going to get hit. And I did 33 radiation treatments. Six bouts of chemo, lost all kind of weight, weak, and all that kind of stuff, and came out on the side 100% cancer-free. No complications, no side effects, and it will never, ever, ever come back again. Never. Never. Satan only hit me once. He did it then, can't happen again. Impossible. Now, that wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have been able to resist because the thoughts would come. You know, it's like uh, Kenneth Hagin said. You cannot stop the bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from building a nest in your head. In other words, the thoughts will come. But God said, take every thought, bring it in the obedience of Christ. And you can't, you can't outthink a thought. You got to say something. You can't think and talk at the same time. That's why confession is so powerful. You have to say it. 
So I said, by his stripes, and I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I walked in after that. I came out of the hospital, walked in my house. My granddaughter got signs all over the building, all over the house. By his stripes, I'm healed. I mean, everywhere I went, man, she had scriptures up. I didn't ask her to do that. She just did it. And even though I couldn't talk, I couldn't swallow water. The Bible said, thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my eyes. Right? Or it don't say eyes. It, it don't say ass. <laughs> no, he said in my heart. So you got to read it to get it in your heart. You got to read it to get it in your heart. Read it, confess it to get it in your heart. Read it, confess it to get it in your heart. So that when the battle comes, you got enough word in there to stand and stand and stand and stand and stand and knowing I'm going to win if I don't quit. That's what Galatians said. Be, be not weary and well-doing, but in all things, right, what, what? You will reap what? If you don't faint. That means if you don't quit. So Satan put the pressure on you to cause you to quit. That's what the temptation, as I close, that's what the temptation, tests, and trials are designed to do. They're designed to make you quit. That's all it's designed for. It comes from the devil. It's like, okay, you think you got him? That's like the book of Job. I can't read it. As I get past the third chapter of Job, I'm through. <laughs> right, because after you get past the third chapter of Job, ain't nobody talking about Job and his friends. They ain't know nothing. God don't say nothing until chapter 38. If they did all that running their mouth, God steps in, okay, now, y'all running your mouth, and then God tells them who he is. And when God gets to tell them who he is, then, then Job said, I'm going to put my hand on my mouth. I ain't saying nothing else no more. He says, I had heard about you, but now I know you. And then God restored to him everything that he, that he had lost three and tenfold. And what happened to Job should never, ever, ever happen to a Christian. Job was on the old covenant. He didn't have the blood of Jesus. He didn't have the name of Jesus. He didn't have no intercessor. And Satan was still running stuff. We got the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the angels, the word of God. Amen. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We win all the time. Amen. Give the Lord a good handcuff if y'all got anything out of that. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, give God a great praise praise for that word we've received today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is a God of all comfort. He'll comfort, comfort us in any manner of tribulation. And what he's given us, then we can give to others. That's what Jesus told the disciples one time. He said, freely you receive, freely give. And you have to be able to first receive that comfort in your heart. And the comforter, the comforter is the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I'm leaving. And everybody was up, upset and sad about him leaving. He said, look, it's, it's more expedient. It's to your advantage if I go away. He said, if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. And the comforter is the Holy Ghost. Well, the Holy Ghost comes 
when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord. And so I want to make sure you have the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, that you have the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ uh, as the, the one who will comfort you. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's the same Spirit. And you have to receive him as your Lord and your Savior. So if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ personally, just like Job said, I've heard about you, but I didn't know you. You can have heard about Jesus Christ your whole life, but don't know him for yourself. If that's the case, then you are very susceptible to whatever's going on in the world. But when you get born again, you now have the Holy Ghost and the Word and the blood and the Spirit and the angels and all the forces of heaven behind you. And I want to make sure that in this, in this climate that we're in, in, in the, the perilous times that the Bible calls these times, that you have Jesus Christ on the inside of you to navigate through this world. Most importantly, as plainly as Pastor Bumpus put it, to be saved from hell. <laughs> How many of y'all are glad you're saved from hell? <laughs> I mean, period. We used to say that way. If God don't do anything else, to know I'm saved from hell, and there's a real hell, there's a real devil, there's a real eternity, but we, are, we can be saved from hell. So, Today, if you're in this room and you're not born again, don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I want to make sure you have the chance right now, today, to meet Jesus and make him, make him your life. Not just a part of your life, but make him your life. You don't know him yet. You've never begun uh, a relationship with him. You're not, not in fellowship with him. You can do so right now. So wherever you are, whoever you are, before we leave this place and run out to do all of our business for today, the biggest decision you can make is to receive Jesus Christ. So if you need him, you know that's you, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. So just put your hand in the air and say, Pastor, I want you to include me in this prayer. I'll pray, but let me know you want to be included in this prayer today. Whoever you are, man, woman, boy, or girl, whether it's your first time here or you've been a church member for 16 years, it doesn't matter. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. There's none good but the Father. No one righteous, no, not one. You must be born again. So when you get born again, now you can walk with the Lord. Anybody in this room today, you're not born again and want to get born again today, want to be saved from hell, want to be saved from hell. Hell is real. As my father always said, hell is hot and eternity is just too long. You don't want to leave this planet because we're all going to leave here at some time, whether it's through death or through the rapture. Jesus Christ is coming, <laughs> and you don't want to be left down here when he comes. So anybody in this room, before we close out, before we pray, you're not born again, you say, Pastor, today is my day to get born again. I want to become part of the family of God. All right, is everybody here born again? All right, let's make sure. Just ask the person next to you. Call people around you. Just check them. Ask them if they're born again. Just ask them. Make sure. Don't let anybody fool you. Look them right in the eye. They're good? All right. 
Well, Father, today we thank you and praise you for the word we've received. Thank you so much for the man of God you've used to minister this powerful word of comfort to us. Thank you that you are the God of all comfort. And you comfort us, Father, in the midst of all of our tribulation, all of our temptations, all of our tests, all of our trials. Thank you, Lord, for making sure we know today that you don't bring any of these things on us. You're a good God. Hallelujah. You're a good God. And you only do wondrous things. You only do good. And you're good to all. And so we recognize, Father, that anything that we deal with, all the storms of life that come, they are from the enemy our, our adversary, the devil. But thank you, Father, that you've given us the shield of faith. Thank you, Father, that you've given us the blood of Jesus. You've given us the name of Jesus Christ. You've given us your word to stand on. And that, God, you comfort us. And, God, we know that in that comfort, you're not just rubbing our back make us feel good. No, you're, you're bringing us out of that thing. You're delivering us with a strong right hand. That's the comfort that you bring, God, to deliver us out of every situation, Lord. You said, Lord, in your word that you are a very present help in trouble. You are a help in trouble. So we thank you that you bring us out of all the trouble, Lord, and deliver us. And so, God, I ask today that, God, that you look upon every person in every circumstance, whatever it is that we're dealing with, whatever it is that we're facing, and that, God, you minister your deliverance to us. Every stronghold or stranglehold the devil has on someone's life, on their mind, break them out of it today. And we pray, Father, that God, your grace will be upon us. We know even as Paul wrote, Lord, your grace is sufficient for us. That's what you told him. So thank you for that grace to overcome, that grace to, to stand, that grace to walk out of it, God, that grace to endure, and that grace to receive the victory. And so today we receive our total victory in every circumstance. We give you praise for it. Now we pray blessing upon the man of God, that God, you strengthen him with might by your spirit. And as in a man, that God, your grace will continue to be upon him. Continue to strengthen his voice in this earth realm to give him a voice, open doors of utterance for him. Not only in prisons, Father, but other places because God, so much of the church needs to hear the revelation that comes from, from his mouth. And so we pray for open doors all over this country and throughout this world to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, blessing, financial blessing, material blessing upon his life, God, to do the work that you've given him to do in these last days. We give you praise and thanksgiving for our part in being a blessing to him today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Man, put those hands together and give God a great hand of praise today for the word. Glory to God. You may take your seats. As we stated earlier, the man of God has come and ministered to us.